I, Gun Captain, all the latest home videos and beta and VHS. I, so so current, they're still in theatrical release. Help yourself, mates. A chest full of video discs. No! Oh, what good are they? Can't record on them. They're not compatible with my system. Captain! This was lost. Stand back. Gather on my buckles and feature eyes on this. Make all the illegal copies you want. Put it on. Aye, aye, Captain. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, Lars Ulrich has one of the most punchable faces of anybody I've ever seen in my life. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. Maybe you're listening to this on my website. Maybe you torrented it. Who knows? But I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil would never pirate anything in his life because it's totally and morally wrong. Trachtenberg. You are correct, sir. No, I'm not. <laughs> you might be correct, sir. <laughs> and Peter's got the week off, so Sarah Hanley from Lost in the Static is going to step in. I pirated this position. You did. <laughs> and obviously, tonight's topic is going to be piracy. But before that, you can't pirate the Adam and Eve code. But you do go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight, as an, after an extension of kind of last week, we're going to talk about the dreaded scourge of piracy. Although I want to put that word in quotes because what actual piracy is when it comes to movies and TV and what the MPAA and all the fear mongers claim are two very different things. What do you think movie piracy is in this day and age? If you are torrenting something, if you are streaming a, uh, you know, a movie or whatever, if you are basically sharing something wholesale that has no alterations to it, if you are just taking the product and putting it out there, then that is piracy, be it, you know, movies, video games, whatnot. See, I, I don't have much experience in this. I, I don't know. Is, is it piracy if if there's no profit? I, I I know that that they say in theory that they're taking profit away from other people, but I don't know if there's a gray area when it's something that nobody's even offering. I do think that is a big gray area, but I'll get in. We'll get into that later. To me, what piracy is is not what piracy is claimed. I think. If you go to like fmovies dot whatever they've changed their domain name to this week to avoid prosecution and you stream the newest episode of The Walking Dead, I don't consider that piracy. On the other hand, 
I do if you go into the theater with your camcorder or with your video camera and you tape Ghost in the Shell, put it up online for everyone to see so they don't have to go to the theater. Maybe I'm splitting hairs, but downloading a 2007 copy of Daybreakers is not the same as grabbing a camcorder copy of of Kong Skull Island. Am I splitting hairs here? I mean, it's... It, it kind of falls under a bunch of different things. That's why it's such a difficult thing to, to label. Uh, you know, it, I think that um, if it, it's a weird thing, like if you're willing to watch, like if somebody goes into the theater and goes through the trouble of like recording it with their phone, recording a movie with their phone or a camcorder or whatever, and then putting it up online. And then if you're willing to watch that copy, that's like crappy and has bad audio and people has, coughing like, in the background. People coughing in the background and somebody's head. Like, were you really going to go see it in the theater anyway? <laughs> so, uh, so it's, it's such a weird thing. I think that, uh, if they were to, I, I know that they still make so much money on, uh, on theatrical releases, but, uh, when you see stuff like that, it's almost like if they had, uh, an alternative to watch it at home, you know, when it's just coming out in theaters, but they would still lose a butt ton of money. And, uh, you know, that's also a thing where they would, all right, well, people would just have these pristine copies of it that they would then do a, a screen capture and then they would release that. And so it's, uh, it's weird. I don't, I don't know. It's, um, it's tough to say. It's, there's, there's a weird line of what people will go to the theater to watch, what people will, uh, bother to download. I, I don't know, really. <laughs> They have tried with smaller release movies that uh, it's in 15 theaters on the West and East Coast, but everyone else it's uh, is available for stream. And, yeah, it might cost a, a couple bucks. If you make something easy for people, they'll do it, especially if, if it is a, a higher quality one. Some some people will just for the, the thrill of having a copy streamed to them that isn't the one that they paid for, and then you, you can even argue... Well, it is a transformative media in that it's the movie plus the coughing plus the baby's crying, and you're getting the effect of sitting on somebody's shoulder in the theater watching it. We are just kind of, right now, all of us are making justifications. We're just trying to justify to ourselves. Personally, I have grabbed a th an in-theater movie bootleg, I think, three times in my life. All three times were, and I understand the realities of low-budget or indie film distribution. It's not playing in a theater to, within 200 miles of me. Well, there's a torrent right there. Maybe I'm just justifying to myself, but... You can't deny how tempting that is. I could drive 200 to 250 miles to that theater, pay for parking, pay for gas, pay for all the snacks and everything to see a movie, or I could grab that torrent. Because I know at the time I rationalized it to myself, well, then maybe you should have f***ing released it near me. I think in that case you're you're just kind of rationalizing it to yourself because logic would be like, okay, it's not playing near you. You're going to have to wait, you know, wait until it uh, it comes out DVD or, or video on demand, which anymore isn't that much of a wait. You know, we used to have to wait years for movies to come out. And now two, three months after it's in theaters, it's on video on demand or so you're able to see it a lot faster. So it's just a, a waiting game. And most of the time. 
Like, there's something that comes out, I'm like, oh, I really want to see that, and then I'm, oh, I missed it in theaters. And then there's the temptation to go download it, but then it's like, you you think about it, and then you get caught up with other things, especially with the amount of stuff on my backlog to watch. And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh, it's already out on video. And then I get it, and, and you know, and I have it sitting on my desk for, <laughs> like, months. And then I'm like, oh, crap, that movie that I wanted to watch that came out a year ago, I'm just now seeing it. I think that that's... Uh, it, you're just kind of making justifications about uh, about seeing it. That's not wrong, but I, I acknowledge that I, I do that. We also have to acknowledge that these are not necessarily lost sales, and I'll get into some numbers in a, in a minute. Everybody who torrents a movie, the, the MPAA loves to claim that's a lost ticket sale. But in reality, most people who are willing to torrent a movie like that were not going to pay to go see it anyway. So it's not actually a lost sale. I know a lot of people who would never go see a Michael Bay movie. But, you know, if there's a torrent of it, yeah, you know what, maybe. There's this weird rationale of, I have no interest in that, but I'll take it if it's free. We also have to acknowledge that when it comes to piracy, this isn't all lost sales. Yes, there are going to be some people that are going to go, well, I'm, I don't have to pay for it anymore, but I get to see the new Michael Bay movie. Most people are going to go, eh, it's a new Michael Bay movie. What the hell? I would have, wouldn't have gone to see it in the theater anyway. I just don't have to wait for HBO now. Oh, and there's the argument that we had before of you have the torrent, and that's immediate. And if you know where to get it, you're probably going to know where to get many different titles under that same torrent site. But the torrent is not going to be the same quality. It might have a bug. There might be something that's introduced to your computer that you won't, don't want to be. As we were saying, the, the smaller movies, if they are smart, if they're trying to get people to pay attention to them, they are going to have something up on the Internet because they don't have the advertising budget, and that's a, as close as you're going to get to word of mouth at this point. Work in their favor if they have the quality that people are going to want to watch it. All right, let's talk some numbers here. I'm going by the official MPAA numbers here. Now, they have since backed away from these numbers after mathematicians broke down how much bullshit these are. But these are the numbers we're going to use based on the fact that this is what the MPAA's piracy report a few years ago put out. They claimed in 2014, 58 billion dollars were lost due to piracy. Do you two understand how big that number is? Oh, that's a bullshit number. <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, it's it's one of those just completely pulled out of your ass numbers. We lost 582 gagillion dollars. See, here's the thing. I actually did the math on this. And I had a couple of people check my math, so if this math is screwed up, I got a couple other people you can blame for not catching me on it. Let's use their number of $58 billion. Now, let's use a baseline of $8 a ticket. That's ballpark and that's an average of what a U.S. ticket price is, okay? So at a baseline of $8 a ticket to come up with $58 billion, they're claiming 7.25 billion tickets were not sold in 2014. At the date we're recording this, the U.S. Census has the population at 324,834,000 and change. That means more than three times the population of the U.S. did not go see your movie and pirated it last year. When you put that into perspective, numbers are bullshit, huh? 
It's always been bullshit. It's just a way for them to further fudge the Hollywood math. There was um, the, an article that came out, uh, or I was either looking at it or, or somebody sent it to me recently. They were trying to say the one of the Harry Potter movies that grossed like over a billion dollars somehow lost a billion dollars, even though Harry like the Shearer, budget. Harry Shearer from the That's Simpsons. That's it, the Harry Shearer is, article. Yes. Yeah, he in, I can't remember what year Spinal Tap came out, like 82 or something like that. I, I think it's Sony that owns that. Whatever company is, owns that is claiming that in the 30 some years since Spinal Tap has come out, it's made a profit of $61. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, like according to Hollywood, no movie has ever profited in the history of ever. And if that's the case, then why are you still making them? And how do you have like these people that are getting paid, you know, tens of millions of dollars? If it's so not a profitable business, why does, you know, you keep getting record numbers every year? Oh, the, the ticket sales are up from last year and they're making more money than ever. And then when, you know, the tax time comes around, oh boy, we lost money on every, on this one. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually want to correct myself. I misspoke. That seven billion tickets lost, that's 179 times the U.S. population. <laughs> and you gotta remember, According to the statistics, I can't, I think it was a movie line, only 3% of people in the United States claim that they go to a movie once a week or more. Only 6% are two to three times a month. But the MPAA has now started to catch up with streaming. They claim, again, these are the MPAA's numbers, streaming, illegal streaming. We're not talking Hulu. We're not talking Netflix or Voodoo or anything like that. We're talking F movies and all of the illegal pirate sites. They claim that streaming sites made up between 73.7 and 78.5% of all streams last year. Torrents are down. Torrents are only 17.2% of all piracy right now on the internet. So it's all being done via streaming now. And I think streaming makes things more difficult because isn't that just like literally showing somebody an episode in your house? When we get to streaming, the word piracy starts to expand and contract a little, doesn't it? Like they were trying to do something a while ago. I remember where they were, uh, they were trying to figure out a way, like what people used to do was if there was a big boxing match, they would rent the movie on their television. And it was, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. And they'd have and a party at their house. They'd have a party at their house, right. I've been to a few parties where, you know, a ultimate fighter, boxing, what have you. And they were trying to incorporate something where you would have to put how many people were coming to your house to watch this. And that's like, they actually did what? that in some states for bars for fights and, you know, things like that. Bars were not able to get pay-per-view because you, we didn't, we don't know how many people are in your bar watching it. Yeah. It's like, this is why people pirate. This is why people steal is because you're coming up with these outlandish things to, to try to make an extra buck. You're already charging somebody $50 to stream this event. They're going to watch once and then you, you want to try to figure out a way to make more money on top of it. It's just, it's ludicrous. 
Well, haven't they already solved that? That they have the televisions that watch you back, so that just have someone click into there while you're watching your pay-per-view event and just go like one, two, three, four. That person's in the kitchen. They might not be watching that. We'll count it as a half, and we'll just add that to their bill at the end of the month. That's very Max Headroom, isn't it, Cecil? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, Don't okay. give them any ideas. <laughs> no, no, no. They claim, especially, no, it's one thing when something's in the theater. When, when a movie leaks to the internet before it's released, I, I do consider that piracy. But again, they're, they're completely overblown and overreacting to it. For instance, they're blaming the failure, in quotes, of Expendables 3 because it was leaked to the internet. Now, Expendables 3 had a budget of $90 million. It had a box office take of $214.6 million. They claim 2.2 million people downloaded the movie prior to its opening. So, let's say only half of those people were going to go see the movie anyway. So, at that, at my baseline of $8 a ticket, this is a lot of money. I'm not trying to claim it's not. But it would have only made $17 million more, assuming every single one of those people would have bought a, bought a ticket. And they're saying the film bombed when it made three times its budget back. Do you see how it's not so much... I mean, like, Hostel 2, they claimed that movie bombed because it leaked to the internet. Okay, that one I'll give a little bit, because everyone got to see it early and went, Oh, God, thank God I didn't pay for this piece of shit. Same thing with X-Men Origins Wolverine. First of all, that leaked in a work print, and I think work prints are different, and I'll get to that in a minute. But that was downloaded four million times. Did it hurt the box office? Wolverine still made four times its budget. So, no, not really. Hateful Eight was downloaded 300,000 times. Was that movie a flop? No. Can you really blame them? I mean, yes, like I said, we're talking millions of dollars. That's a lot of money. But to a company like Paramount or 20th Century Fox... It really isn't a lot of money, is it? Well, it's, um, see, that's where it kind of gets into a, a sticky area. Even if, like, okay, let's say Paramount, however many hundreds of billions of dollars they have or whatever, even still, losing money is still losing money. Now, I don't agree. But they didn't lose money. They still made up, well, in quotes, no, profit. They didn't, no, but the thing is, they didn't make as much money, which is losing money. Now, regardless of whether or not they lost uh, as much as they say they did, it still was people watching the product that they didn't pay for. So it's like, so they did, at the end of the day, lose some money. Now, if it's negligible, if it, you know, that it's re regardless, they still lost money. Now, I don't, I think that they are going about it all the wrong way with this kind of stuff. And I do think that in some cases, something like The Expendables 3, I think that somebody in the studio panicked and was one of the ones that released it early because this pristine quality print of the film leaks before the movie comes out. And then consequently, the movie still goes on and does well. But I think that something like that is where they're a little panicked about the movie they're like oh we don't think this is going to do as well as it should so if they leak it early and it does bad well then they can claim it on their taxes that oh it was leaked early and and uh you know we can we can say it was a failure it didn't make as much money as it should have because of that and then uh you know they don't uh they don't end up taking a hit they end up you know recuperating some of the money in uh when tax time rolls around it's such a it's such a weird game with all of this that uh, I I don't you know I don't know. I know that we've seen that uh, there are movies that no one has found exact smoking gun proof, but when they're not sure about a movie and then 
it leaks, it really looks suspicious like someone who had the power to be able to do that leaked it so that they could say that it leaked. We saw that happen with uh, with Girlbusters. And even before it leaked onto the Internet, we saw in packages of, I think it was like Hostess Cakes, is like, you know, buy this and you get a free ticket. That is not a good sign that you're giving out tickets to a movie that's not even out yet. Sir, they actually went a step further with Girlbusters. If you bought the video game based on it, you got a free digital download of the movie. So they were giving you the movie for free if you bought the video game. Yeah, and that video game, which was rushed and did Oh, that so, video game was ass. It, it did so well that uh, that studio closed. We have this this weird phenomenon of, of movies just mysteriously leaking onto the Internet and then everyone claiming that, that the, the pirates did it. Even the pirates are like, we have no idea where this came from. We're not saying this is a setup, but it really feels like a setup. You got to remember the MPAA overreacts to everything. Like like that $58 billion number I gave out. Like I said, that's their official number. They also say 140,000 movies and TV shows are illegally downloaded every single day. I'm not so sure about that. And I, I, honestly, that number seems a little low to me. Their Their most bullshit one is that Fully one-third of all internet traffic, they claim, is infringing in some way. That is monumental horseshit. Now, if they said one-third of all internet traffic was porn-based, I'd believe that number. I don't believe piracy is a third of the freaking internet. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, I think it's, uh, if you take all of these studies... Uh, you know, where it's like Netflix is taking up this much of, you know, uh, the Internet emails and, and all this other things that all take up segments. You would probably end up adding it together and coming up with like 380 percent or some like completely impossible number. So I think that the whole thing where they're saying piracy is uh, is a huge chunk of uh, the traffic on the Internet. I think that's ludicrous because especially when you think of how many people are streaming and playing videos. Video games. How many people are watching YouTube videos? How many people are watching Netflix and Amazon and cat and photos? I'd say would pick up cat a big photos. Chunk of the internet. How many people are downloading twenty and thirty gig games that, <laughs> that they legally purchased off of Steam or something? Uh, and and like so, yeah, piracy. I would say piracy would be like a chunk, but not like a monumental chunk. Like I would say at most it would probably be like five percent or something, or at the very you know highest possible amount, like under ten percent. But uh, which I still think seems high. But when you have all the other Internet traffic going on, I don't think that piracy is as big, especially when you have companies like Netflix and Amazon that have said that once they started streaming and offering their, you know, their services, wherever they would go, piracy would drop it would go down because now people have an alternative hey i can pay eight ten bucks a month and i can watch whatever except in a weird way people are still pirating stuff that is being given away for free i was going to talk about this later but the most pirated tv shows number 10 the grand tour i don't even know what that is but the usa show suits the fox show lucifer the history channel show vikings the big bang theory arrow flash Westworld, The Walking Dead, and Game of Thrones. Now, I get Game of Thrones and Walking Dead because those are behind a paywall. Every one of those other ones is put up on that channel's website for free 
and people still torrent them and go to the illegal streaming sites. That one boggles my mind, Cecil. I, n- I have a reason why. Because a lot of them will put, they'll, they'll overload them with commercials. The show up there, and okay, I'm gonna sit down and watch, cause I've watched stuff off of, uh, you know, the, off of ABC and whatnot, where it was like, oh crap, I missed that, and I really need to see that. And you sit down and you watch it, and they'll cut off mid, like, like it's one thing, com- TV shows are built in with commercial breaks. But when you're watching something like that, they don't insert the commercial breaks when they belong. They'll put them like mid-sentence. I, so, I've seen that. And and then a minute later, you'll have the fade to black where the commercial should have gone, and it just goes right to the next scene, and you're like, you had one fucking job! <laughs> yeah, you could have done it this way, but no. And then, like, I, all right, I am fine if I'm going to watch something on a streaming, uh, you know, on ABC or NBC or whatever, and if they would put the commercials in where the breaks were, fine. That's, you know, the way that it's on television. That's okay, the cost now of doing business. It's the cost of doing business. But when you're inserting eight, nine, ten commercial breaks in a show that normally would have four, now you're being greedy and now you're causing people to want to go pirate the shit. Cause it's like, you're going to ruin the show for me. You're going to ruin the flow of it because you're inserting all these ads and things that are interrupting the program as I'm watching it. I think that first one might be a, a BBC show. I think that's the one with the, the three English dudes and the guy in the helmet. But, uh, I, uh, I recently tried to catch up on, on a show and the, the thing that annoys the heck out of me you're watching a show and it's like okay commercial break and it goes commercial will be 30 seconds and then there's another commercial commercial will be 30 seconds tell me how long the damn commercial break is so i will know when to turn my head because otherwise i'm muting it and i might miss it it's going to be overly long and i'll i will miss the chance to go and i don't know get something to eat you know, I, you're only showing commercials for your own damn stuff, so I know what it is you're trying to sell it to me. And if I was going to watch them, I would have watched them. I'm not a person to pirate, but when you have a commercial break that runs for five minutes, just want to watch the last five minutes of the program itself, I can really understand why someone would uh, go, okay, I tried it your way. I just want to watch the show before I lose all interest in it. Because see what a lot of they what a lot of these did for the streaming shows they had to they had they had a very wicked learning curve like with Walking Dead I think it was two or three seasons ago they would put up the episode for free 24 hours after it aired in that 24 hours it would be downloaded a million times on the torrent site so they went okay fine we'll put it up as soon as it's done airing on TV it's on our site with commercials they learned that they can't wait. The Daily Show, back when Jon Stewart still ran it, I remember they would put those up for free on ComedyCentral.com. Okay, fine. They would wait 24 hours, and I'm like, well, it's on the Torrent site 15 minutes after the show's done airing. If the if the pirates are faster than the official channel, why should I go to the official channel? I mean, do you see how my twisted logic kind of explains this? Now, I get why HBO is so pissed about Westworld and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is the most pirated show in the history of the world right now. HBO, you put it behind a paywall, and really, people that are going to watch Westworld or Game of Thrones, they have to pay a monthly service, and that's not unfair. That's about all they're going to watch. So you're asking them to basically pay a monthly service to watch one show, and I can see why people think that's unreasonable. 
There was uh, the oatmeal did a uh, comic on it a while ago, and it showed like the absurdity of all of this. It's like with HBO where you would, okay, oh, crap, I missed. uh, I really want to watch Game of Thrones. And it's like, well, I don't want to get HBO just for one show. I'll go onto iTunes and download it. Oh, look, here it is. I can download, you know, I can pay and download the whole season. Oh, it's not available yet. So you can't buy, like, just the individual show. You have to wait for the entire season to finish and pay for the entire thing. And then you have a digital copy of it. You're not getting all of the bonus features and whatnot that you would if you bought the Blu-ray. Like, they show how, basically, he goes through, like, ten different steps. Oh, let me try to do this legally. I can't. Oh, let me try to do this legally. I can't. And then finally gets to a point of where it's like, hey, if I just pirated it, hey, look, I have it. You know, I have it already. They're they're giving you better service than the companies that are actually, that you'd be paying for the service. So why would you? Exactly. But there's also, and, and again, this isn't so much justification, but to make you, to make the listeners understand why some people pirate. This might be really strange to hear in 2017, but there are still a lot of places in America that do not have broadband or free Wi-Fi or anything like that. There are a lot of rural communities. You wouldn't believe how how many people in the state of Wisconsin still have dial-up? Not because that's their choice, because that's literally all that's offered in the middle of farm country, okay? So what these people will do is, I can't stream Destination 404. I can't stream Stranger Things. But I can go to the library, take my laptop, illegally download them all, and actually f***ing watch them on my home television. Places like Netflix and that and HBO, they assume everybody has broadband. They assume everybody has the, the fastest Wi-Fi connection. They don't even take into consideration that there are a lot of people who want to see your show and would pay for it, but you don't offer it. For instance, like Stranger Things. Netflix wants you to watch Stranger Things on Netflix. They want you to get Netflix for Stranger Things. They're very hesitant to put the show out on DVD because if you have it on DVD, then you're not going to pay for their service, right? Well, a lot of people want the show on DVD. Netflix, do you realize how many professional-looking, pristine Stranger Things bootleg sets are available on Craigslist and that? That's money you're losing because you're going, no, you have to stream it! There are also different things kind of coming into this. It's very possible whatever things they came up with. For example, with the uh, with the Daredevil show, uh, with the Marvel shows, they may have come up with some sort of agreement. They can only run the show on Netflix. They can't put it out on DVD. So, th- I mean, there, just think of how many absurd, ridiculous things that copyright holders have done over the years and just think that that's very possible. That might be a reason as to why. Now, I know Daredevil's on Blu-ray, but I, I know what you're talking about is a very real phenomenon. Yeah, where they'll they'll put in restrictions. I mean, that's why there are so many shows now that just aren't available on DVD and whatnot is because, like, too many copyright holders own the rights and they all want too much money and it's just not worth it for them to actually put forth the effort to put it out because they have eight gajillion different people that all want to get paid and so so it's like, look, all right, we're just going to leave it here. And with something like the the various Netflix shows, that could be a factor. With something like Stranger Things, because they own the rights, that's not it. But 
I think that in the case of something like Stranger Things, being that it is such a phenomenon, they maybe don't want to put it out there because they know that it's going to draw people to use their service. And yes, there are people in different parts of the country and parts of the world that don't have internet strong enough to where they can stream. That's not entirely, you know, it's not the fault of Netflix. That's... No, but what I'm saying is they should come up with an alternative to be like, you know what, here is for our dial-up customers. Because like I said, uh, people would still be surprised. 30% of America still has dial-up. Can you believe that in 2017? But that's an accurate number. Yes, and there are old people that still use America Online. Eventually, it's going to, you know, it's going to sort itself out. And, you know, I mean, that's why uh, Google Fiber was, you know, going to these really weird, obscure places uh, across the country because they knew, all right, well, here's somewhere that doesn't have any kind of broadband. We're going to go here and have a whole batch of people that are going to uh, use our service because there's... There is no alternative. The alternative sucks. Well, that goes back into our argument about uh, the Internet should be seen as a utility, but that's going to have to wait for about four years because, Cecil, this uh, this conversation is not available in your region. I'm sorry. It, it, you you oh. may want to join it, but... Okay, but... th- that one actually really pisses me off. Whenever I I'll see somebody on Facebook from an, like the UK, they'll post a link that looks really interesting, and I'll click on it in YouTube, and this is not available in your country. And I'm like, F*** you, Limey. (laughs) We need to talk about, we're talking about stuff that's readily available here. Game of Thrones, Deadpool is one of the most bootleg, you know, downloaded movies of 2016 and all that. What about when something's not available otherwise? It's a TV show that has not been aired since 1986 and somebody's got some off-air copies. Goes up on YouTube, immediately gets snatched down for copyright reasons. We have sites like Cinemageddon that are putting out movies that in some cases, never even got a VHS release, let alone DVD. Is it still piracy if you're grabbing something that is literally unavailable in any other format? Technically, yes, it is that gray area. It's um, because things that just aren't available in any capacity, uh, shows that aired on television once, shows that, uh, you know, never made it past VHS and the VHS is long out of print. Things like the, the Star Wars Hollywood, you know, Christmas special, as much as Lucas wanted to bury that, would not exist if not for piracy. Shows that, uh, you know, aired on television and got canceled before, uh, DVD and, and stuff like that came into came into play would not people would have forgotten about them i'll even open that one up a little bit more one of the things that i love about piracy of tv shows is when a tv show is canceled in america say there's four unaired episodes but they all air in the uk there's literally no other way to see them other than a bootleg so because fox or whatever american network yes i'm justifying to myself you don't want to air them i'll just get them elsewhere my my brother-in-law was in uh turkey I believe. And he walked into a video store and the video store was selling pristine brand new copies of movies that were from the studio. And he had found out that what they would do is in certain places, 
the piracy was so high that they were, you know, they were selling, uh, you know, copies of the movies for like, you know, two, three dollars or whatever that the studios were trying to recoup some of that money. So they would set up shops where they would then sell pristine, beautiful copies of the movies on DVD or whatnot and undercut the pirates. Because because there was no law in place that prevented the piracy in that country, so they would have to do something to undercut the pirates. In a weird way, Lloyd Kaufman actually applauds trauma pirates because, like, like when, when he got a copy of a bootleg of Poultry Geist Night of the Chicken Dead, which is actually before the movie even came out, he wasn't sure how they got a, such a beautiful copy. He actually liked the cover art that they gave it better and considered changing it. But there's also the fact of like, like, like when the X Men Origins Wolverine work print leaked out there. Biggest one of those would be the Blade Runner work print in 1992. When that accidentally, let's go back in time, people. Blade Runner had been out in two versions. There was the American cut and the European cut. So all with the narration, the happy ending, but the European cut had some extra violence that had to be cut to get to an R rating. Those were the only versions available. It was supposed to be a 10th anniversary screening at, like, the Egyptian Theater in L.A. or something like that. Warner Brothers accidentally sent the work print to the theater instead of the print that they were supposed to. So for the first time ever, people saw what the movie was supposed to be. Somebody camcorded it. That's a bad thing, technically, as we've established, technically piracy. That camcorder copy made the round so much that Warner Brothers actually went, you know what? There's actually some interest in this, and they went back and let Ridley Scott do a director's cut. If that had not been pirated, we wouldn't have gotten a director's cut of that. Some music groups... Because, see, when it comes to a band like Iron Maiden, for example, they don't make as much money off album sales as you would think. They make the bulk of their money off ticket sales to their concerts and merchandise sales. So a band like Iron Maiden actually looks at Iron Maiden piracy stats. And where the piracy is the highest, they try and make sure they schedule concerts. Why? They know there's a fan base that's going to buy the merch and come to the shows. They use piracy to make more money. That's ingenious. The studios haven't quite caught on to that that prospect yet, have they? If you think about it, it seems like the TV shows, for example, they're working directly against the people who are trying to hype up their show because you have the show and you're and you're telling people the show is going to be on blank night and you have to see it as soon as it comes out because everyone's going to be talking about it because you don't want to be the person who doesn't know about it. You're going to be spoiled on it. And if you don't have the network or if you don't have the ability to see the, the network, you're going to know things that you shouldn't know before you see it, and it's going to cut your enjoyment of it. You still want to know about this. So if you can't see it any other way, you could see piracy as the way that you stay re- relevant in the conversation about the show that you would love to support if you could. Well, some studios have – let me rephrase that, not studios. Some producers have figured out a way to use piracy to their advantage. For instance, during Dexter's final season, as well as, uh, what was that other show that was, was that Ray Donovan that was, it was paired with? Pristine copies of the first four episodes of the, of that season leaked to the internet. Absolutely pristine copies about a month before the show came on the air. They were downloaded so many times, yet they also had the highest ratings for a premiere for each of those shows that were out there. The producer of both of those shows kind of hinted he might have been the one that accidentally let some copies out because it built up a ton of hype 
and everyone tuned into Showtime on that Sunday night. Some producers are, are smart about this. Well, it's, it's the studios that aren't. It it has been shown that uh, if somebody sees a bit of something that they they like, then they are going to want to to see it when it comes out. They are going to want to see the better copy of it. There are people that will torrent, uh, let's say, part of a TV show, and they're like, "This is so good, I want." to watch the entire season and if they if they can see the entire season legally and then they they know that that's actually supporting the show because why the hell wouldn't you want to support a show that you like you support a show that you like they can make more episodes you can watch more of the show that you like look at a show like mystery science theater mystery science theater 3000 would have never become the cult show the cult hit that it became if it wasn't for what would be considered piracy. Remember how at the end of almost every episode until the Sci-Fi Channel years, keep trading where the it tapes. said, keep circulating the tapes? You'll notice as soon as they signed with Sci-Fi Channel, which was owned by Universal at the time, you'll notice that went away. I'm sure a lawyer said, get that off! Another reason why they only lasted, uh, you know, a short while on Two Sci-Fi. Two seasons, I think, on Sci-Fi. Well, also, I mean, there's a lot of factors into that. And uh, if you want to go into the the music side of things, Metallica would not have taken off if not for, and they even admitted it in one of their things, which was why it was so irritating when the, when they oh, went Oh, that, that whole Napster thing just pissed me. Because literally, I, I, get, I get them being pissed off at Napster. Well, it was mostly... But, but they were suing their own fans for being their fans. Right. It was... It had, you know, it was Lars and even the other members pretty much said that that was his thing. Like they, they kind of let him do that. They, they weren't really into it. And that was one of the reasons why Jason left was because he's like, Hey, are we going to make some music? There's also the fact with Metallica though, these guys, and I'm not going to get into this whole thing, but they are avowed plagiarists. Look at how many bands have accused Metallica of stealing their material. And then Metallica has the balls to say, how dare you steal our material? Animated thing. Where James Hetfield is the Hulk? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. I remember that what? one, yes. Money, good. Napster, bad. I remember oh, that. Perfect. And then Lars is the biggest douchebag in the world, which yeah, was they, accurate. Yeah, they make him, they make him like really short and he just jumps around like a chimp. It's so, that was perfect. You know what? To be honest, Lars Ulrich has one of the most punchable faces of anybody I've ever seen in my life. I still, now granted, I still love Metallica, but I think that that was just a very ugly time. I think that uh, they went about it all the wrong way and they, they just panicked. And I remember Lars even did a thing on like the, uh, the MTV uh, movie awards where like so- somebody was downloading a, um, a Metallica song and he came in, he's like, Oh, I'm just going to take this. And he just like started taking like stuff out of the guy's room. And I was just like, Oh, Lars, stop. It's totally not. It's totally not the same thing, dude. It's not but... the same thing, but the, you know, and I love that South Park lampooned him where it was like, Oh, he's sad because he can't afford to get a solid gold plated bathtub. He could only but, okay. have five jets. Yeah, you know, oh. all that kind of thing. You know, yeah, so. There are, there are a lot of cult movies that would not have become cult movies. Look at a movie like Hardware. A couple of weeks ago, Cecil and I talked to Richard Stanley, and we're going to have a full retrospective soon. Hardware, and especially Dust Devil, made more copies. They had more copies available on the bootleg circuit than Miramax actually put out. If it wasn't for 
bootlegs on VHS, neither of those movies would be the cult hits that they are today. There are a lot of movies that would not be out there if it were not for bootlegs, especially TV movies or things like that. Things that never even got a VHS release would be completely lost to time if not for the bootleg circuit. Which brings up the final thing we have to talk about. Where's What's the difference between bootlegging something old? Let's leave like theatrical boots and stuff out of this. But like something old versus archiving. These things are literally going to be lost to time if somebody doesn't archive them, but the studios have no interest. Because I remember when I was a VHS bootlegger in the 1990s, and I was a pretty high-level guy, Dungeons & Dragons the cartoon, the old CBS show, was one of my my biggest bootlegs. And CBS constantly, we have no plans to put these out. We have no plans to release these officially. None, 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 none. Here I'm selling 100 copies a month. And it's like, there's a market. You just don't see it. Well, you you act like this is new information. You you have to remember that they, uh, the studios, are notorious, historically notorious for anything that is not immediately making the money right now. It uh, it gets trashed. It gets burned. There was a very infamous time over here when suddenly there was a a whole lot of uh, little backlot areas that all went up at once in fire. It was amazing. And you don't even want to know what kinds of stuff were in those. It was all the shit that they weren't allowed to get rid of. The um, Cowardly Lion's costume would have been lost to history. And that, that was the one that was made out of real lion fur. Except there was a trash guy who, on his route, happened to see it and thought it would be an awesome costume for his kid. And this may seem like it's not the the same subject, but it really is. This stuff is historical. These TV shows, even the commercials that ran with the television shows, they are historical because it shows you where we were at the time. It shows you how we got from where we were then to where we are now. There's also the, the ridiculous rights issues. Like, Cecil, do you remember not necessarily the news? Yeah. yeah. That show with with all the re- use of real news footage and that, I, I talked to one of the people that was on that a couple of years ago, will never be released due to all the licensing issues. A movie like It Came From Hollywood. So what's this movie about, man? Oh, it's about all kinds of things, man. It's like a bunch of crazy movies that they put together. It's like... Like the Incredible Shrinking Man versus the 50-foot woman, and then try to get it on. No, man! Remember all those movies about brains? That's what it's about! Brains! <laughs> Don't listen to them. Come on, I'm the one plugged in. Let me tell you what it is. It's youth. It's fun. It's everything you, the audience, is about. And there's dirty parts, too. This movie is about movies that have scary monsters in them. And the monsters come and they smash you. And they get you like that. And then a great big alligator comes and gets you right by the throat in this movie like that. And you can't get away. Ah! I want my money back. The, the Dan Aykroyd, Cheech and Chong, John Candy movie uses so many movie clips. And remember, th- this is the sh- this is the movie where Joel Hodgson got the idea for Mystery Science Theater from. It came from Hollywood. They wanted to put out on DVD until they found literally 90 different companies that they would have to deal with to clear the licensing. It's like, you know what? No, th- that movie exists on bootleg only and will only ever exist on bootleg. So there are certain things that will never get a legal release for whatever reason. 
Beavis and Butthead. They'll they'll release the cartoons, can't release the uh the music videos, and what does everybody want to see? Which were arguably the best parts. The music videos. They love the yeah. music videos. The they're hilarious. So what do you what do you do? You go on a YouTube. Then there's also the whole unavailability of certain shows. For instance, my girlfriend loves RuPaul's Drag Race. VH1 doesn't put it up on their website. She doesn't have cable. So, guess what? fmovies.to you know, you don't make it, you make it available for the one time airing and that's it. My girlfriend doesn't have your channel, but she loves your show. So, bootleg it is. Final thoughts on piracy. Where do you stand on piracy today versus maybe where you did five years ago? Has it gotten worse? Has your position changed? Or are you pretty much in the same spot you were on the subject of piracy? Uh, I'm about the same. I see the good in it. Like, I see the, you know, archival purposes. I see people getting stuff that isn't available. I see people that are gathering things that can't get elsewhere. I see the the reason for it. And I also do understand from a studio's point of view where it's like, all right, they don't want to see, hey, we, we just spent $100 million on this movie and it's up online for free. So I kind of do understand that. But they also need to understand the difference between what is and what is not piracy, what is infringing on your copyright, what isn't they they just need to stop panicking over everything uh, they need to stop attacking their fans too people that uh you know want to you know maybe are a little too enthusiastic and i understand are you it, talking about the people that make videos about good bad flicks but then there's <laughs> like 20th century fox and universal that send takedowns even when it's fair use yes maybe i could be discussing something like that where it's like hey nobody's talking about this movie so i'm gonna do a movie i'm gonna do a video where i'm talking about it in a completely positive light and say hey you should go buy this and check it out yeah take that down that makes Top- Copyright infringer. Yeah, copyright infringer. Yeah, uh, you know, I have proof that people have bought stuff that because that I, I've talked about it. But yeah, you take my stuff down. But, but you got to remember, you got to remember, in the early days of VHS in 1984, then president of Universal, Sid Sheinberg, and he used the example of Jaws, said the reason Jaws will not show up on VHS is you should have to pay every single time you want to watch a movie. You shouldn't be able to just buy the tape and watch it a hundred times. That's their mentality. Pay us every time. Well, this is also the same people that are like, you know, cassette recorders are going to put the music industry out of business. Uh, VCRs are going to put the movie industry out of business. DVDs are going to put the movie industry out of business. Everything is going to put the movie industry out of business. And then what happens? The movie industry is making more money than ever, or the music industry is making... It goes back even farther than that. Remember, TV was going to put the movie industry out of business. Yeah. And then TV was going to put radio out of business, and, you know... Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, It's always these people that don't understand technology that are the ones that are in charge of the money aspect of it and then uh, that ends up screwing everybody else over there are things that we would not even know about if it wasn't for piracy uh, we would never have seen the the best uh, movie version of the fantastic four without piracy and i'm i'm sure that they they hate that it's out there because their legitimate versions aren't as as good as the one that the actors and the people who worked on it are so happy is out there that they are they're glad that people were able she's to she's talking see about the efforts. roger corman version people of course. And, and when, when I see a better version, I will admit it. I appreciate the efforts when it's there to, uh, to share with people. When it's there just to stick it to the man, uh, 
I can appreciate that on on a different level. I I don't endorse it, but I I don't know. I'm I'm probably where I was before. I I try to I try to look at it fairly. <laughs> At least we're not back in the old days. Remember when you'd be trying to watch the season finale of a show in the late 90s, and then there'd be a thunderstorm and you'd lose power and you'd have to wait till a rerun later in the summer? Now we can just go to Hulu. Yeah, yeah, that was the, uh, the, the wonderful old times, or, you know, the, the, or you're messing with your rabbit ears and the signal goes out or something, and yeah, it's, uh. It... Goddamn breaking news. I don't care if a cop got shot. I want to see how Hill Street Blues turns out. Oh, there were so many shows that I would be watching in the, uh, you know, in syndication, you know, and, and you're watching it, you're getting into it, and then all of a sudden, eh, and this is a test of the, it's like, what, why? Yeah, the, this is, this should not be on right now. And then it comes back as a commercial is on. It's like, son of a bitch. So on that note, where can we find Cecil? Hopefully getting Universal and, or no, was it, it's Paramount and 20th Century Fox that are your two biggest nemeses off your back, right? Yes, Paramount, Paramount's the big one and Fox is the other. Like Paramount claims everything. Fox does, uh, does not, uh, go after like reviews, but they go after the other videos. So yeah, they're, uh, they're my two biggest headaches. You know, stop it. The thing, I mean, and I've said this before, it's essentially because I'm still not big enough. Like when you've got larger channels, when you've got the Chris Stuckmans and one, and even he runs into headaches, but he goes on, uh, Twitter and is like, Hey, uh, this company's after me. And then it gets retweeted and tweeted a bazillion times. And then they're, they're like, and then they, they drop it. Now it doesn't always happen, but it happens a whole lot more than me where i'm like hey uh this company it was going after my you know paramount i used one poster and they're going after the video and then i'll get it retweeted a couple of times and then nothing happens to it so that's why i'm like i got those people like oh you're gonna go see uh ghost in the shell I'm like nope well where can people find you doing your oh yeah while they're still up you can find me doing my reviews while they're still up at escapistmagazine.com as well as goodbadflix.com and facebook youtube and Twitter, good bad flicks. Sarah, where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find me uh, acknowledging that I think that Cecil finally cracked the code on that insane number. They're counting every single time that there's a frame of any of their property on it. So someone has a T-shirt, someone has a poster, someone happens to say the words super and man in a sentence. <laughs> You'll find me trying to avoid this reality on 1201beyond.com, on the Twitters, and on the Facebooks. I'm going to work on some pretty pictures. Well, you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And if you guys pirate this, and yeah, I give this show away on my website for free. You don't have to listen to an ad before the show or anything to click on it. Radio Drum still shows up on torrent sites because f*** me, right? Scurvies. Listen and listen. It was on the good ship Venus, by gosh, you should have seen us. The figurehead was a whore in bed and a mouse of Edmund Penis. The captain of this lager, he was a dirty bugger. He wasn't fit to shovel shit from one place to another. Bring it in the Captain 
his name was Morgan By Christ, he had a garden Ten times a day, sweet tunes to play on his fucking organ The first mate's name was Cooper By Christ, he was a trooper He jerked and jerked until he worked himself into a stupor Bring it in the rigging Bring it in the rigging Oh, what a Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.